You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. You've heard the story of an egg, a clumsy egg with arms and legs. On the wall he sat so tall until he fell on top his head. Down and down and down he goes, no cushion or cloud to soften the blow. What could be his destiny? A fractured skull or broken toe? Indeed, he almost broke in two, his shell in need of tape and glue, feeling sore on the floor, who will make him as good as new? A cry for help went to the king, who sent some men to heal his sting, armed forces on horses, doing their best with what they could bring. No magic, no potion, no friend could stop him from his bitter end. Time to do something new. Just he could make him whole again. Filling his life with lots and lots made him happy, or so he thought. Could it be? Certainly. Fix himself even he could not. We know the tale heard it spoken. None could help him in this poem. But there's one, unlike none, who can fix us when we're broken. And we're going to continue this series today, Broken. And uh, we're going to do that if you have your Bibles in Second or First Kings, I'm sorry, First Kings chapter 19. And we're going to look at a man's life um, by the name of Elijah. And Elijah was a prophet of God. He was a man who um, God spoke through, who God did great miracles through, who God really revealed himself to and used him to reveal um, himself to the Israelites, his people. Um, we're in a place, and to set it up for you, what we're about to read, we're in a place where um, the Israelites have turned from God, they've turned from uh, the one true living God, and they've begun to worship um, a false god named Baal. And Elijah is coming to try to turn them back, to get their hearts back to worshiping God. Um, and we're going to see something very interesting happen in Elijah's own life, as he's called to be the man of God, we're going to see um, his own journey through this. Even though God had revealed himself to Elijah in amazing ways, had done great power through Elijah in incredible ways, I think we're going to see his life today and be able to relate to how he responds um, to another situation uh, in his life. And so what I want to do is let's read the first couple of verses, let's read the first three verses actually, of 1 Kings chapter 19. And then we'll get into the message. It says in 1 Kings 19, Ahab told Jezebel. All right, now Ahab is the husband of Jezebel. Jezebel in this is basically a representative of Baal worship, okay? Um, she's one that is leading the charge in this Baal worship. She is a wicked woman. Um, don't name your daughter Jezebel, okay? Um, it, not a good thing. She was very wicked. Uh, Ahab, her husband, was pretty weak. She worked through him to do a lot of bad things. So when you think about this, think about Jezebel equals Baal worship, Elijah equals worship of the one true God, Yahweh, okay, the, the God of Israel. And so it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Elijah coming into this section, I know I keep reading two words and then talking, but just stay with me. 
Um, Elijah at this point has just slaughtered 450 prophets of Baal. God gave an incredible victory to show um, the one, who the one true God is. Um, and so this is what's just taken place. So Ahab goes back, tells Jezebel all that Elijah had done. And it says, and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he, meaning Elijah, was afraid. And he arose and ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word and the truth that it is, God. I pray today you would speak to our hearts through it or let your spirit work in a mighty way in us, God, and then work through us. But God, just let us draw close to you today as we know your promise is that you'll draw close to us. We love you and thank you for Jesus, for the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last night was uh, our annual Halloween night, and so I wanted to see how many, show of hands, how many of you uh, did some Halloween, maybe some trick-or-treating, some kids did some trick-or-treating, went and got some candy, show of hands, don't be ashamed, you can raise your hand, bunch of sinners, right? Um, and so uh, we, we actually did have a little Hulk. Uh, my little redhead was Hulk. And uh, if you know my little redhead, you know how perfect that is for him to be Hulk because you don't like him when he's angry. Um, and then uh, had Darth Vader. And we, we had a family time with um, my in-laws and, and a lot of folks gathering up. It was, it was a good time that we got together. Um, but it, I feel like Halloween is that one day of the year that many adults they take the opportunity to dress up as someone they've always wanted to be, and they can do that because then they can blame it on their children, right? And so you just dress up, you just you know, become something or someone you, you wanted to be, uh, and, and then you just dress up, put on the costume, and pretend uh, for a little while that you're that person. And I was thinking about that and thinking about how true that is many times of us in our Christian walk. And many times we, we can put on a costume or a mask or uh, pretend to be something that we really aren't. Um, many times uh, we may uh, find a lot of guilt in that. Um, sometimes we, we may not find any at all, but the reality of it is that for many of us, we portray someone that we may not actually be. I know as a pastor, um, and as I read this about Elijah, it made me think about that. It made me think about how Elijah must have felt here is this great man of God, right, who is um, full of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit working through him, and he's been used to do great miracles, and all of these great things have happened in his life and through him, and he's proclaiming to people, turn to the the one true God, come back to him, Uh, turn your hearts from this Baal worship and come back and worship the one true God, and he's trying to turn a nation's heart back to God, and and God's done great things in his life. But here's what's so crazy about that, is that Elijah, even after God has revealed himself in so many powerful ways, even after God has used him to do miracle after miracle, if you want to read just a few of those, you can go back to chapter 17 of 1 Kings and read through chapter 18, but you'll find this, that when uh, Elijah, he predicts a drought, and this drought takes place for three and a half years, later he prays for rain and the rain comes, like this huge sign that God is using him and that God is the one true God. We see another place where when the drought comes, um, God sends Elijah to a brook and, and this brook, uh, 
you know, has, has water, but he uses the ravens, he uses the birds to come and feed him, um, miraculously giving him provision. If you've ever seen how one bird feeds another bird, it's kind of gross, but I guess if you, that's all you got, that's all you got, right? And so God provides for him in incredible ways. When the brook dries up, um, Elijah goes and he um, is sent to this widow who only had just a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil. And she says, I'm going to bake, um, uh, bake a cake for my, my son and myself, and then we're just going to die. And Elijah says, no, if you'll go and you'll bring me something to eat and you'll um, bring me something to drink, God's going to multiply that flour and that oil, and it's not going to run out until this drought's over and, and you're able to, again, have the provision that you need. Um, during this time, um, the widow's son dies. God uses Elijah to raise him from the dead. Um, we see this incredible power working through Elijah. Elijah saw all of these things, um, the power of God working through his life. He saw God's faithfulness in so many situations that, that, that God just showed up in miraculous ways. And yet the crazy thing is, and the thing I want you to see in all of this, is that one threat from one woman comes, which I know one woman can be threatening. If you're married, you understand this. A woman can be threatening, but here's the reality. He had just slaughtered 450 prophets of Baal. This one woman makes a threat on his life and he gets afraid and runs, takes off. It just seems wild. It seems uh, you know, irrational. But I thought about that and I thought about how much are we that way. If you look at those first two verses, I think we have something in common with Elijah. That in our lives, these threats come. Storms come, things happen. And many times our response is very much the same as Elijah. In fear, we begin to run. In fear, rather than faith, we begin to, to go. We begin to, to even run away from God which is exactly what Elijah began to do. See, his fear became greater than his faith and he began to go away from God. Um, he literally went from the northernmost point of the kingdom to the southernmost point of the kingdom. And so we see that his fear became greater than his faith and he looked for an exit. He looked for a way out. And many times we do the same thing. When things are, are maybe questionable, when a threat comes, a loss of a job, a health concern, um, maybe it's a, a relationship issue. Maybe there's something we've been battling or struggling with, a sin or a temptation that just seems like it's got a hold of us. Many times we try to find an exit. We try to find a way out, whether it's um, sex or drugs or alcohol or addiction or sleep or food or whatever it might be. There's something many times that we run to, to try to find a way out of the reality that we're in. And many times we do the same thing. It even goes deeper with Elijah because it says that when he got to Beersheba, he left his servant there and went on another day's journey. And when he leaves his servant there, basically what he's saying is, I'm done with the ministry that God's called me to. He said, I'm leaving him here. I'm leaving him behind and I'm going on. And many times when we begin to, to come into this place where we're shaken at the core of who we are, something seems to be threatening us and what we know as life, what ends up happening is we, we leave the purposes of God behind. We forget his purposes. It says in verse four, it says, but he himself went a day's journey ahead into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he asked that he might die saying, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life. For I'm no better than my father's. 
See, Elijah in this place, he's given up on God's purpose for his life. He's given up on God's plan for his life. Um, he's at the lowest of lows. He's even gotten to this place where he's like, I don't even know if I want to live. I, I just, God, just take my life. He said, I'm no better than my fathers. In other words, I've done no better in, in, in bringing these people of yours back to you than the prophets before me, than the people who went before me. And he's saying, I'm not even worth living. Just take my life, God. Just take my life. He's in a place where he's disappointed because surely he thought that that battle that he won on Mount Carmel against those 450 prophets of Baal would have turned the hearts of the people back to God because he showed himself to be the true God. Surely even Jezebel would be affected by this and their hearts would be turned and they would come back to him. And yet he's looking at this and none of that's happened. And it's a place of frustration and disappointment and wondering of what is God doing? And he's, he's in a place now where he's isolated himself from other people. He's gone away. And, and when Satan can get us in this place of isolation, he's able to have a field day with us because we can't do life alone. We need other people walking with us through it. And so Satan begins to fill his heart and his mind with all of these different emotions and feelings and thoughts. And I want you to see where he's at emotionally, spiritually, physically. He is distraught. He, he's in a place of, of desperation. And it's almost as if he doesn't even know what he's desperate for. He's hurting, but he doesn't even know where really to turn. I mean, he goes and lays under a broom tree. A broom tree is not a big leafy tree that provides a lot of shade. A broom tree is a little scraggling tree uh, that wouldn't give him any shade, any protection from the sun. And yet he just says, this is the best I can do. I'm going to lay down here and go to sleep. And he's even hoping maybe I don't wake up. And my question to you out of that is, have you been there? Maybe you are there. Maybe you're in a place, have been in a place, are going to go through a place that is the lowest of lows. Maybe there's places or areas of your life that you feel like, um, maybe this is over. Maybe this is, is done. Maybe this is finished. Maybe I'm through. Maybe this isn't going to work. Maybe God didn't have a plan. Maybe I heard him wrong. Maybe I thought he told me this, but maybe I heard him wrong. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong in everything. Maybe I'm wrong in all of this. Have you ever been in that place? Is there an area of your life right now that, that maybe you've given up on? Maybe you've moved it from the plan of God and the purposes of God, and you've taken it away from him and taken it and trying to, to do it on your own, um, struggling and walking through uh, something that, that is very difficult. Maybe it's something that you, on you alone know. Maybe it's a fear, a worry, a concern. I don't know what it might be for you, but here's the thing I know. Every one of us are faced with the struggle that Elijah had, that when the threat comes and the difficulty comes and the storm comes, it's very easy to be shaken at our core. And rather than running to God, our tendency many times is to run away from him, thinking that somehow we can make this better, thinking that somehow we need to be in control. And we oftentimes find ourselves in this place. It says in verse five, and he lay down and slept under a broom tree and behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was at his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, arise and eat for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and drank 
and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Oreb, the mount of God. Oreb is the same mountain as Mount Sinai where God gave Moses those 10 commandments. I had a special place in the history of Israel. But I want you to see in this text that Elijah has run away. Beersheba from Jezreel was about 120 miles. He has run away from God. He, he thinks he's running from his purposes. He thinks he's running from God's plan. He thinks he's gonna actually be able to escape the presence of God. But what does God do? God meets him even in the place of his, um, his, his running. He, he couldn't run and outrun God's love. He couldn't outrun God's purpose. He couldn't outrun God's plan. And God meets him there under this broom tree and provides for him. The thing I want you to see today and I want you to understand about God is that God knew your need before you ever had it. And I want you to understand today this, that you have a God who is not fighting against you, you have a God who is fighting for you. He shows us this in the giving of his only son, right? That in that, he sends Jesus to take on Satan, to take on the powers of evil that have caused us death, that have come in sin and, and caused us hurt and pain, to cause us to be separated from God in a way that we can't um, bring ourselves back to him. And Jesus comes, looks Satan in the eye. He comes and he takes on all the forces of evil and hell. He comes and takes on our sin. He comes and takes on the wrath of God for our sin that should have been ours. He comes and dies on a cross that in their day meant that you were cursed, basically becoming the curse so that we could be out from under the curse and set free from the curse. He comes and dies on that cross. He's buried in a tomb. Three days later, he is arisen by God and through the resurrection power of God. And now we know that he sits at the right hand of the Father. And when we come to faith in him, he gives us his spirit, which is the same spirit and the same power that raised Jesus from the dead so that you and and I can come to life and live and walk in the power of God from now on. And so that's what God did for us. And see, God knew our need before, and he met our need before we even knew our need. See, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that right there shows God's love for us. And so today, in the storm, in the midst of what you're walking through, in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of that, that sin or temptation that you um, are struggling with or wrestling with, in the midst of a difficult relationship, in the midst of a difficult job situation, in the midst of a difficult parenting situation, in the midst of whatever it is you're walking through, the good news for you today is that God is fighting for you, God is with you, and God is always going to be there. The Bible promises that he never leaves us nor forsakes us and he walks with us. And so for all of that good stuff that God did for him, the way God reveals himself to him, even when he's run away from him, what did Elijah do? He went another 40 days and 40 nights away from God. He went to the Mount of Oreb. It was another 250 miles to get to that mountain from where he was. That means that in all, he ran 370 plus miles away from God in the wrong direction, going away from him. And so we see him having run away. Many of us find ourselves in that place at times when we run away from God. And many times we think we've gone too far for him to be able to reach us. But I want to read to you real quick out of Romans chapter 8, 
verses 38 and 39. Paul writing to the Romans said, for I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So that there is nothing that can separate us from God's love when we are in Christ. He comes to meet us where we are, even in the midst of the struggle, even in the midst of the pain, even in the midst of even our rebellion. He still calls us back to him and he still loves and he still calls us to return to him. It says there in those next verses in 1 Kings, it says he ran, he went to Mount Oreb and there he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? So Elijah's run all this distance. He's gone all this way away from God and God just simply poses a question to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? And I want you to see that this question is much more theological than it is geographical. God's not asking him like, what are you doing here on this mountain? Why are you down? God knows the answer to the question. What he wants to do is to get Elijah to probe his own understanding of who God is and look into his own heart so that he can deal with what's going on. So that God can help bring him back to the place that he needs to be into his power and his presence and the plan that he has for Elijah's life. And so he speaks to him. He calls him back, getting him to look at his own heart and see where am I with God? Verse 10, it says, and this is what Elijah says. After God's done this, he speaks to him. He asks him this question. Elijah says, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. I want you to see in this that with God doing all of these things, the only thing that Elijah can see is the struggle. The only thing that Elijah can see is the threat. The only thing that Elijah can see is the storm. He can't get his eyes back on the Lord. He can't realize that God has got this, that God is in control of this. And I, I just have to believe this, that many times we find ourselves there. I don't think I'm the only one who at times, even though God has done so many things, that when, when the storm comes or the threat comes or the difficult day comes, it's so easy to take our eyes off of God and begin to go our own way, to begin to try to make our own provision, to begin to try to find our own refuge, whether it's a broom tree or a cave, to begin to try to make our own path. And, and we see that Elijah can't get his eyes off of the struggle long enough to put them on the God who is faithful. Verse 11 says, and he said, go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a whis low whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
when I read this, I thought about this, that in all of those ways, God had already revealed himself. He revealed himself through the wind to Israel. He revealed himself through the earthquake to Israel. He had revealed himself through fire to Israel in all these miraculous and awesome ways. And when I read it and I began to think about why did God come to him in this low whisper, in this small voice? Why would he speak to him in that way? And one of the reasons I think that he did that was to show him, Elijah, I'm not just in the big things. I'm not just in the miracles and all the things I've used you to do. I'm not just in those big things. I'm in every little detail of your life, from the big things to the little things. I care for you. And now my voice, this small voice is calling you back. Will you hear me? And Elijah finally comes out of his own refuge. He comes out of the cave and he comes into the presence of God. My encouragement for you today is wherever you are, whatever you're walking through and whatever uh, you're going through, uh, turn to God. Turn to God. Come out of your refuge. Come out of that thing you've run to and return to God. Whatever it is that's taking you away. But listen to what Elijah does when he's asked again. What are you doing here, Elijah? 14 says, he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel, I've forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only am left and they seek my life to take it away. And the Lord said to him, go, return on your way, your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazael to be king over Syria and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel and Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, that word, you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elijah put to death. Yet I will leave 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. And I want you to see in this that Elijah is asked the same question, the same probing question to get him to look into his heart. And yet his response is the same. He's still stuck in this place of looking at the threat, of looking at the storm, of looking at what's going on rather than looking at and trusting in the power of God, the faithfulness of God. And what I've seen happen so many times, and I've seen this in my own life, is that many times when that threat comes, that storm comes, that difficulty comes, what we do is we forget about three things that are very important. We forget three things. One of them is that we forget uh, God's competency. We forget what he can do. We forget his power. In a moment, all of that can flee, all of that can be gone. We forget his competency, how good he is at doing what he does. The second thing that we often forget is his character. We forget who he is. We forget what he's like. And see, here's the good news about God. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means that he is unchanging. So that we don't have to wonder about what he's going to be like tomorrow. He's going to be the same as he's always been because that is his character. And he cannot deny his own character. He must act within his character. We know what he will be like tomorrow. The other thing we need to see in all of this is that even in Elijah's unfaithfulness, God remained faithful. 
God is going to be faithful. He's going to do what he's promised. He's going to uphold his end of this deal. He's going to take care of what he's promised to take care of. And the reason he's going to do that is because he can't be untrue to himself and to who he is and to the promises that he's made. And so we know that these things are going to happen. He's going to be the God he's promised to be. The last thing that we forget, the third thing is we oftentimes forget his accomplishments. Think about all that Elijah had already seen, all the faithfulness that God had already given him, all the things that God had already done. And he he seems to forget all of that. But we're guilty of that as well. Think about how faithful God's been to you. And today, whether you're here as a believer in Christ and you've seen God completely change your life and do incredible things in you and and even through you for his kingdom, or whether you're an unbeliever here today, the reality of it is that we have all experienced the faithfulness of God. See, the sun still came up this morning. God is still giving you breath right now. He has given all of us grace and a voice that calls us to turn to himself. We've all experienced that. And yet for for all of us, many times it's so easy when that threat comes that we take our eyes off of him and we get so fixated with the storm. And yet what did God tell him? He said, Elijah, this is what you need to do. Just return. He says, go and return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. In other words, he's saying, turn to me. He's saying, come back to me. He doesn't berate him. He doesn't slap him around. He just says, turn to me. He just says, come, come back to me. And today I I want to encourage you that that would be what you would do. That today you would keep stepping, that you keep walking, And we keep walking in the direction of Christ, the one that we love, the one that loves us, the one that gave himself for us, that we keep stepping in that direction. And here's the thing, really, I'm going to share with you and, and, you know, deal with it um, if you don't like it, but I'm just going to share my story with you. Because here's the reality. I talked about how uh, many times we can be like that person with the Halloween costume. We can be like that person that we portray one thing and oftentimes we're something else. And I think there must have been a lot of guilt that Elijah carried for having been the man of God, for having been this person who was teaching them to turn to, to God and that yet he ran away from him. I think that it would be very difficult for him in that situation to not feel con- condemnation, to not feel like he had let a lot of people down. But see, I understand that position because many times I find myself in that same position. Because what I've found is that it's very easy for us many times to talk about the promises of God and to talk about the faith of God and what God has done and what he's going to do. But many times it's hard for us, even as people of faith, to trust in those promises. It's hard for us when the threat comes, when the storm comes, when the difficulty comes, for us to trust in those 
things. And see, here's where we're at today. And I want you to be honest with yourself and be willing to admit those areas that maybe you don't trust God in. I don't know for you, like I said, if it's something to do with your job or with your family or with your marriage or with your children or with your health or with with, um, some other aspect of your life. But the thing I would encourage you to do is look at that and, and, and begin to ask the question, what am I doing here? Let God probe your heart and challenge you with that. Because for me, I know this, I find myself in that place more often than I would like to admit. I find myself in a place where it's often difficult to trust God, that it's often difficult for me. It's, it's much harder to live a message than it is to preach one. And the reality of it is that oftentimes I, I struggle. Oftentimes I find myself in a place where, like how can I stand before people and tell them to trust when I have such a difficult time trusting myself? And I can tell you that the last few months for me have been the most challenging and difficult last few months of my life, or none. They've been the most challenging and difficult months that I've ever faced in my life. During this time, I I felt betrayed by people that I trusted. I felt stabbed in the back by people who I thought I could trust my life to. During this time, I've watched um, people who've been diagnosed with cancer. I've watched people, I haven't seen one of the worst tragedies I've ever been a part of and I've ever witnessed. And I can tell you, it hasn't been easy. It's been hard. And I don't know about you, but many times when things come, I I internalize. I don't go and tell people. I don't go and share things with people very often. And I think all of this sort of bottled up into what happened on Friday for me. See, for about a month and a half ago, I was standing up here. I'd finished preaching the message. Someone came to talk to me. And so I went to kneel down. I was sweating. So I reached up and I I went to wipe the sweat off of my hair right here on the, the, right there at my hairline. And I felt something and I felt a knot right there on my neck. And I thought, well, maybe it'll go away a few days later. Sure enough, it went away. Then about a week later, I was doing the same thing. After a message, I went like this and I went to wipe my neck off. I felt another knot right there on the side of my neck and I thought, well, maybe it'll go away and there'll be nothing to it. And sure enough, a few days later, it went away. And I'd like to tell you that through all of this time, I was a man of faith. There there was no worry. There was no doubt. I was like, you know, God's got this. I'm, you know, praise God, whatever happens, happens. But that wasn't where I was. Sure enough, that knot went away, and, and uh, the other day again, I was talking with someone. I just happened to reach up my hand, and I felt another knot right here in my neck, and I, I started wondering, like, what, what in the world's going on? And so I'd had a sore throat for a few days, and, and uh, just allergies and things getting to me. I went to uh, my primary physician, my, my doctor, and I, I told him I have a sore throat, and while I'm here, could you just check out this place um, and, and you know, just, just check it out for me? 
And so my doctor knows my history. He knows the history of my family. He knows um, that my wife, Susan, had cancer. He knows that uh, my, my mother had breast cancer. Um, he knows our history with cancer and different things that have happened. And so he knows our worry and he knows the things that, drive, that, that tend to drive us uh, into a, a worry or fear. And so I, I, he usually is very, very quick to say, hey, you know, don't worry, it's all right nothing to worry about, get out of here. But then when he began to check and he began to look, he kind of got quiet and he starts writing prescriptions for sore throat and for all of this allergy stuff. And I said, hey, how about this other thing, right? No, no sweat, right? No worry. And he said, uh, well, this is what we're gonna do. I need you to go get a chest x-ray today because we need to make sure your chest is clear. And I need you to go get that x-ray and then we're gonna do blood work today. It'll be back on Monday. We gotta make sure all your levels and all your counts are right. And he said, I want you to come back in two or three weeks and I wanna check it and see if it's still there. If it's still there, I'll probably send you to an ENT and we're gonna do a biopsy. Make sure that it's okay. And I'd like to tell you that I went, praise God. I'm gonna get through this. But that's not what I felt. I, I, was, I was scared. And see, the thing that I kept thinking about, I kept thinking about, not me, I kept thinking about my boys. I didn't want them to hurt. I kept thinking about my wife, and I wanted her to be afraid. I kept thinking about the people I've seen diagnosed with cancer in this church and the hurt that I've watched them walk through. I kept thinking about the hearts that have been torn apart and the marriages and the families that have been destroyed. And all of this came to a head. And it was just more than I could handle. And if you can handle more, then good for you. But for the rest of us who are honest, this is for you because I struggle. I have difficult days. I have times when I wonder, am I gonna be able to keep walking? Am I gonna be able to keep going? Am I gonna be able to keep stepping? And when all this happened and all this came together, I was, I was literally scared. I mean, I'm the pastor, right? God's done great things here at the church. Hadn't he shown himself to be powerful? Hasn't he shown himself to be faithful? Hasn't he shown himself to be the one true God? And yet here I am, you're going to get a chest x-ray. And I know many of you have been through much more than this, but I'm wondering what is this gonna show? What is going to happen? And everything within me just wanted to run and just wanted to get away and wanted to find an exit and wanted to find a way out. And the reason that that happens is because I'm broken. The reason it happens to you is because you are broken. And this is the thing that I know. None of us are perfect and none of us can walk through this life without some brokenness. But the good news for us is we have a perfect God who even in our brokenness and even in our desire to run, and even when we do run, he is still perfect and he still loves us perfectly. And he still speaks to our hearts and he still says, will you just return? Just come back to me. Come back to your refuge. Come back to the one who can take care of you. Come back to the one who can give you peace in the storm. Come back to the one who will hold you, the one who can, can see you through. He can give you the power to overcome. 
And as I, I, I went and I waited and, and they said it would take about 45 minutes to get back to the doctor. And I was like, man, I don't want to wait through the weekend. And here's the thing, I, I, my phone rings and I look and it was my doctor's office. And I'm literally sitting there looking at it going, what's on the other side of this phone call? What's it going to be? And I, I answered the phone and it was a nurse, a friend of mine. She said, Brandon, I didn't want you to be worried. I want you to know that it's clear, that it's going to be okay with that. It's, it's clear. And, and I, I sat there and while I felt... While I felt relieved, I couldn't help but think about the people that didn't get that call. I couldn't help but think about the people who their call was very different. I couldn't help but think about the people who get that call during the middle of the night that changes their life. I couldn't think about the, help but think about the hurt that people are going through. And I was like, God, what do I tell them? How can I help them? I can't do anything. I don't know what to do. And see, I don't sit up here and cry like a baby, like a big wuss in front of you so that you feel sympathy for me. This is what my hope is, that by me sharing my life, you won't just look to help me in my struggle. You'll deal with your own struggle so that God can make you whole. I want you to see, but I was like, God, what do I tell them? The thing that God kept telling me is keep stepping. Keep stepping. Keep stepping to me. Keep coming to me. Because see, here's the reality. Many times we wait until we feel faith or we feel faithful to come into God's presence. But the reality of it is he is the author and perfecter of our faith as the source of faith. If you want faith, go to the one who gives it to you. Draw near to him. He will draw near to you. That's the promise in James chapter 4. Come close. Keep stepping. Don't run. He's there. He's alive. He's on the throne. And see, I need you to remind me of this just as I'm reminding you. You need to understand this, that on Sunday morning, it's not somebody preaching to you about how to become like me. It's somebody preaching to you and walking through life the same way that you do. So as one person who walks through storms, who has his own struggles, to others, this is the only thing I know to tell you today is to keep stepping. Keep stepping, keep moving closer, keep drawing closer to him, keep, keep coming into his presence. Because the promise is if we'll just be obedient to draw near, he draws near to us and in his presence we find his power and his plan and his perfect peace. So I, I'm just encouraging you today with that. See, for some of us here today, You've never taken a step towards God and that you've never come to Christ and said, I accept what he did for me. I accept the way he made for me to come to God, the forgiveness that he offers. Yeah, he's the Lord of my life because no one else can do what he did for me. And I surrender to him. And for some of us, that's our step. That's what we need to do is to come to him for the first time and say, you're my God. 
So many times what we do is we, again, we wait until we feel faith to come to God, but God says that we can come boldly before his throne of grace through Christ to receive mercy in our time of need. I'm telling you, if you've never come to know him, if you've never said yes to Jesus, that's your step. It's to come to God through him. He's the only way because there's no other way to be forgiven. You can't make yourself good enough. You can't make yourself okay. You can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps enough to to make yourself pleasing to God and to just stick it out through the storm. That's not what God calls us to do. He calls us to come to him through Christ and receive what only he can give us. Then there's others here today that in some way you've you've run away. I don't know what the storm is. I don't know what the threat is. I don't know what it is that's shaking you. I don't know what it is that's caused the doubt in your mind. What I'm telling you is to make a choice. I'm returning. I'm coming to God. He tells me that I can come to Him. Not because of who I am, but because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for me. And so today, it's, it's real simple. Keep stepping keep stepping towards God, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who gives us strength, the one whose spirit can bring peace, the one whose spirit can give us faith that moves mountains, can give us the ability to stand firm on the foundation of Christ, even when everything else is shaken. And I just feel in my heart right now, I need to challenge some of you because the people in here today who think, here's the thing, the people in here today who have the biggest problem are the people who won't admit they have a problem. People who won't admit the struggle. The people who continue to go their own direction. And so today I'm just asking you, I'm I'm pleading with you, I'm praying that the Holy Spirit does something in you that I can't do and he turns your heart to him and that you would draw near to him that you would keep stepping keep moving closer keep loving him more keep seeing him more clearly because it's when we see who he is that our motivation changes and we want more of him but we see him when we fix our eyes on him I'm just encouraging you to pursue him to step close to him to move close to him today, whether it's your first step of salvation or it's one of a million steps that you've taken in following him. I just wanna take a minute and I want you to just spend a little bit of time in prayer just for a minute. I'm asking you the question that God asked Elijah, where are you? Where are you today? What are you facing? What have you faced? Well, how's God been faithful in your life? I wanna give you the opportunity to take that first step If you're here 
you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never given your heart to him, you never surrendered to him as Lord. He's never been the God of your life. And you know, your first step is to him. Your first step is to follow him. Your first step is to say yes to his invitation of forgiveness, of lordship, of grace. And God's drawing your heart to him today. You're willing to take that first step. I'm gonna ask you, and again, to be very bold in this. I'm gonna ask you right now, if today you're taking that first step of faith and saying yes to Jesus for the first time, I'm gonna ask you right now, if you would, would you stand to your feet as an act of faith and symbolizing that first step, saying yes, I need Christ in my life. God's speaking to your heart. doing in your heart today today if you would say I'm in that place where I need to return I just need to take a step back to him maybe you didn't even realize you maybe you thought you'd gone 370 miles and there was no return I'm telling you today that God will meet you where you are today you say I I need to turn my heart back to him there's something in my life I, I just need to return I don't know what's shaking you. I don't know what the storm is. I don't know what the doubt is. I don't know what the fear is. I don't know what the struggle may be. I don't know what the sin may be. I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just confidence in God's love for you. But today you say, I'm going to take that step and I'm going to draw close to him. So he draws close to me. I'm going to ask you, I want to pray for you today. I'm going to ask you, would you stand to your feet? Would you stand up today and say, yeah, I'm going to take that step. I need that in my life. I just need... I just need God to work. And I want you to, I want you to understand that, listen, for those of you who are sitting, who know you should be standing, who should take that step and, and let this be a tangible representation of what God's doing in your heart today. There's no shame in this. There's nothing wrong with this. If there's something wrong with this, then for the last 40 minutes, I've been very, very wrong in what I've shared with you and being honest with you and transparent with you. The thing I'm telling you is the best thing for you to do is to just take that step back and surrender to him. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't matter if they wonder what that struggle is or what that difficult thing is. That's what the church is for. It's to walk with us. We don't have to do this alone. The power of God working in us. The power of God working through others. It's how we make it through. It's how God works in our lives. I'm going to pray. If you know you need to be standing today, you can stand while I pray and we'll, we'll close this out. Father, thank you your love for us and your grace in our lives. Thank you, God, that even when we turn away, you you pursue us and you come after us. God, that we can never be left and you'll never forsake us. God, that you remain faithful even when we're unfaithful. 
God, I pray for the people here today who are hurting, whose hearts are heavy and hurting. God, let them draw near to you. Would you speak into their hearts? Begin to lift that burden. Begin to give them peace. Just let us become so, so ingrained in you, so abiding in you, so close to you that your mind begins to become our mind, that your heart begins to become our heart, that we can see you more clearly and God, see your character and your competency and all the things you've already accomplished and take trust and take heart in that. And God, when we stumble, thank you that you're there to catch us. Thank you that you're there to walk with us. Thank you for being so good and patient to us. Let your power work in us as we draw near to you, Lord. And we love you. We thank you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, listen, God bless you guys. Just keep stepping. Let's step together.